should have been given out uh, whilst you are arriving at church this morning. So anyone who does not have any sermon notes, can you please put your hand up and we will get them into your hands very, 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 very shortly. You ready for the word this morning? I haven't preached for four weeks. I've got a word burning in my bones. The front row may need umbrellas. It's anointed. Holy water. There's a man of faith. Holy water. Thanks. I feel great. I feel dangerous. Hallelujah. Ready for the word? I asked that, didn't I? Yeah, I knew that. I was just testing. Cool. We're going to pray for the word this morning. Now, I'm going to give you a fair warning. I'm probably not going to finish by 11.30. Um... I might uh, just go a little bit over. Someone just give uh, the Kids Connect uh, a heads up that I might be about five or so minutes over time. Thanks, Hill. I want you to pray this morning for the message like your life depended on it. I don't want any lily-livered, weak, limp-wristed, fish handshake sort of prayers. You know what I mean? You know, ever had a hand a handshake from someone? It's like you're holding on to a wet, wet fish. Like there's there's no strength. They don't grip your hand. There's there's nothing. Like it's just a wet fish. It's just yeah. We're going to pray this morning with a strong, firm conviction that God is going to do this in my life. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you do this message in my life. I pray, Lord God, that I hear the, as I hear this message, you take a hold of my spirit, you take a hold of my life, you take a hold of my understanding, you take a hold of my, my heart, and you embed this message in my spirit, Lord God, that I can live this out and see this happen in my world. Lord, I'm praying right now, as everybody here is praying, out loud, so that we can see the fulfillment of this message in our world, Lord God. Do this message in my heart. Lord, establish your word in my world, Father, that I can see absolute change, powerful, glorious change come about because of your word active and alive within me today. Father, I pray that you would just do that in our, in our world, in my life, in these people's lives here today. Holy Spirit, take a hold of what we're going to talk about in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. An encounter with God, encountering God, that's what I want us to talk about this morning. As a church, that's what we're saying we are doing. We are about encountering God, okay? Uh, I believe that, you know, uh, I need a, a, an encounter with God. I don't want just like a one encounter, then I have to wait weeks or months before I encounter God again. I want an ongoing uh, unfolding of an encounter with God on a daily basis. I want to continually to encounter God in everything. 
everything that I do. I'm not the only one here this morning, I believe, that wants that same thing happening in our lives. I believe that there are here, people here this morning, you too want to encounter God in everything that you do. You know, I believe that encountering uh, God, uh, that our families are actually crying out for an encounter with God. I believe that our families, where you know, our, our kids see us genuinely seeking God and God manifesting His presence in our homes. Where talking with God is not an aberration that happens, but it's actually uh, even uh, the, the result of us hitting our, our finger with a hammer when we're doing some work. You know, we're not praising God in those times, but they, they hear us genuinely seeking God because we want an encounter with God. Amen. It's where parents see children as enthusiastic about reading and living the Word of God as they are about reading their latest posts in, in social media. And it's because they've seen, these kids have seen it being modeled by their parents, that their parents are modeling for their children what it looks like to seek after God. Now, we're actually setting the framework and the groundwork for our kids to see us, to have a, 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 like a pursuit of what God is doing in our, in our world. Amen? There's a whole world outside these walls that is looking for an encounter with God. They may not know that that's what they're looking for, but I guarantee you that when they come face to face with an encounter with God, they're going to say, that's what I've been looking for all my life. It's like when sometimes you go to a place, you know, you, you come to a church. That's what happened when we came here. Like when we first came to the church over 20 odd years ago, we came through the doors and we thought we were always heading this way. This is home to us. This is the place that I knew that God was always leading me towards. I believe that there are workplaces that need God's uh, people to release an encounter with God in them, where creative ideas and concepts come by the power of the Holy Spirit, where mealroom gossip stops with you, where the boss is given a fair day's work and he's supported even if you disagree with him. And we actually do that because we are kingdom people and we carry the presence of God with us. This morning, I want to take us on a bit of a journey. I want us to start to look through Romans chapter 10 and roughly verses 1 to 17 thereabouts in the New Testament. The book of Romans is in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I love what, what uh, Paul says in his opening statement in verse 1. He says, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. The longing and the prayer of his heart is that the people that mean the most to him would be saved. Those in his world, those in his sphere of influence, that they would be saved. It's the longing and the prayer of his heart that people would encounter the unconditional love and forgiveness of God for them personally. He wants those that mean the most to him to experience all that Jesus did for them. The salvation, the freedom, the restoration, the fulfillment uh, that can only be ex uh, experienced through a life-changing and ongoing encounter with God. And that's what Paul experienced. And that's what he wants others to experience. We know the story of Paul. Many of us will know the story of Paul. He was first named Saul. You know, he's on the road to Damascus. He has this in, a moment in time where God just knocks him off this donkey and starts to talk to him, causes him to go blind. He has this encounter with God that forever changes his life. That's what we, we need to, to, to believe for in our lives. That's what we need to believe for, that we can help others to encounter the very presence of God as well. Knock us off our bike. It's, it's, isn't that what we want for our lives? 
Come on, church. Okay, I've been on holidays. You may have been getting away with this when, you, when I was away, but you ain't getting away with it when I'm here. All right? I, I'm going to say, like, open it and let it come out. All right? Is that what we expect? We want an ongoing encounter with God. Even if you disagree with me, say, yeah, I want that, just because I was going to shut you up. All right? I want an ongoing encounter with God. That's what we want, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's what is going to mean the most to us. Isn't that what we want for the, those in our world as well? The, the people that mean the most to us. Surely if God has touched our lives in some significant way, that that's the same sort of thing that I want the, the, for the people that I love and care about. I'm going to start spitting very shortly. We want our loved ones, our family and our friends, our work colleagues, our bosses, our teachers, our supervisors to be saved. That's why we're still here. We haven't you know, like given our lives to God and then whoosh, we're off on this super conveyor belt up to heaven. God's got us here for a purpose and I believe it's to see people saved. So that we can provide people with an encounter with God that forever changes their mindset, it changes their world, so that they too can then start to help people encounter God in a significant way. We want them to encounter God, to be changed by a love that's so pure, so powerful, so practical, that it causes us to praise God in such a wonderful way. And that's the longing and the prayer of our hearts, isn't it? Well, isn't it? It is. Sometimes we, we move away, we get so caught up in our own world that we forget that we're here to cause other people, to help other people to encounter God. To help people find salvation. Because one of the, the greatest fears I have in my life is going up to heaven and bumping into someone and saying, you knew about this but you never told me. You knew what God was like and you never told me about it? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you open your mouth? Why didn't you say something? I don't want that. I don't want to live with regret. No, I don't think we're going to have that when we go to heaven. But I think that you know, there's this, this area of my life where I think that surely if I've got one of the greatest gifts in my entire, this entire world has ever known, and his name is Jesus. Why would I remain silent? Can I have those back doors open? Because it's quite warm in here, please. Thank you. I want to ask us a question this morning. Because, you know, you hear this thing that Paul's saying, that the longing and the prayer of my heart is to see people saved. When was the last time we really prayed for someone to be saved? I, I, I don't mean like a, just a two five-second prayer, oh, Lord, save them, do something with them. But, Lord, God, save them. Help us to see salvation come to this person. When was the last time we really dug deep in prayer for someone? When was the last time we really got down on our hands and our knees and we said, God, I need you to break through in this, this family. I need you to break through for my son, my daughter, my, my mum, my dad. I need you to, to, to break through in my husband, my wife's life. That they would receive salvation. That they would see salvation come to their world. We're going to do, this is going to be the subject of our early morning prayer meeting, 6.30 to 7.30, every Wednesday morning here at the church. We're going to pray for the salvation of people in our world. 
You may not be able to make it to, to be with us, but you can be with us in spirit. I know that there are folks, you know, getting kids ready for school. You've got to go to work. You may be driving to work at that same time. Join us in the spirit and let's join together. And you know what we're praying for? We're praying for the salvation of people in our world. We're praying for the prodigal sons and daughters to come back. You know, there, there's no secret hidden agenda. It's no secret squirrel. We're going to be praying for the salvation of the people in our world, the, mean, the ones that mean the most to us. See, Paul goes on to say something. He says in verse 2, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. See, people are no different today than they were in Paul's day. You see, people, Christians and non-Christians, struggle to understand who God really is, how much he loves them and what he's done to prove his love for them by sending Jesus to die for us while we're still totally separated from God in our sinfulness. We don't understand who God really is. We don't understand what he's really done for us. Other translations say that we're not enlightened. They don't have a correct and vital knowledge of God. They don't understand God or his ways. Paul goes on to say in verse 3, he says, They don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They are refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. This way of getting right with God, of receiving salvation, is still what many people struggle with today. Many Christians continue to live their lives by trying to act right, trying to earn God's approval, trying to, to, to please God rather than just believing right in their relationship with God. Many people believe that they have to live up to the letter of the law. We have to read our Bible. We have to go to church. We have to tithe. We have to, we have to, we have to. Galatians. Listen to this. this is, Paul answers this beautifully. Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 out of the Message Bible says this. You crazy Galatians. Yeah. You crazy Galatians, he says. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that, that you, you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you, he says. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin with, how do you suppose you're going to perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? Is it, not yet a it is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Answer this question, Paul says. Does the Lord, does God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives that could never, you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. Is it not obvious that you, to you, that persons who put their trust in Christ, not persons who put their trust in the law, are like Abraham, children of faith. 
are powerful words, aren't they? It's sort of like, you know, just sort of like, whoa. It's like, you know, you, you suddenly have this moment where you, 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 you suddenly realize how, how easy it is to get things backwards again. Where we have to strive to, to win God's approval. Where we have to strive and, and earn uh, his, his, his love and, and His grace. We think that, you know, this is a true story. I uh, uh, caught myself in this, this very act. I was going to pray for a guy that I knew has happened to have a really bad cold. And I had my motorcycle at the time. And my motorcycle was uh, you know, at times known for exceeding the speed limit a little bit. And I'm not proud of that. Uh, motorcycle. It's just a motor. It's got a mind of its own. I was never in control of it. <clears throat> and I made this bargain with God. I'm going to pray for this guy. I want to see this guy healed. So I'm, I'm saying, God... If I keep my motorcycle to the speed, if I don't exceed the speed limit, would you pray? Would you heal this young man as I as I go pray for him? Now I know that none of you would have ever done that. <laughs> I like I could do anything that's going to like make God to do something. I, I, I earn His. Oh, gee, Gary, I never thought of that. I like that's a good idea. What you know? If you don't speed, I'll heal this kid. You know? Anyone ever done that? Put your neighbor's hands up if you have, you know. It's, it's so easy to get into doing that, isn't it? It's so easy to fall into that trap. And it's, then all of a sudden we find ourselves, when bad things happen, we think God is punishing us. Oh, this is happening because I was, I was sinning. I was doing the wrong thing. And therefore, this, I deserve this. I deserve this sickness. I deserve this financial breakdown. I deserve this relationship breakup because, you know, I, I've been in sin and I've just been doing the wrong thing. And this is God just, you know, punishing me right now. My Bible actually tells me that the full punishment of my sin was taken out on the person of Jesus. God is not punishing you. And you need to stop the enemy in his tracks and say, this is not punishment from God. This is just something that's happened. But I know who someone who can get me out of this. And his name is Jesus. And we need to stand on the Word of God. We need to understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That we need to understand that, that, okay, there's consequences for sin. If I kill someone, I'm going to go to jail because that's a consequence according to the land of the, the law of the land. Okay? But God's not going to punish me for it if I am you know, forgiven and all the rest of it. You understand what I'm saying? See, right believing leads to right living. Right believing leads to right living. It's not the other way around. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9. God saved you by his grace when you worked your butt off. And you, you went to church and you tithed and, and, and you said nice things about your neighbor and you mowed your neighbor's lawn. That's when you got saved. It's by his grace when you worked your butt off. There's only one person that disagrees. All the rest of you go, oh, Really? Is that right? I didn't know that. It says you can't take credit for it. It's a gift of God. Salvation isn't a reward for the things that we've done. So no one can boast about it. Because I know me. You might say this morning, surely there's more to salvation than that. Yes, but no. Yes, in that Jesus did it all. And know in that all we need to do is to believe. John chapter 6 verses 28 to 29 out of the Passion Translation says, Then they asked him, What should we do if we want to do God's work? 
And Jesus answered, the work you can do for God starts with believing in the one he sent. Is there more that we need to do that? Sure, but the first thing you need is to believe. First thing you need to do is to believe. Do you believe God this morning? Do you really believe what Jesus says? See, one of the names that Christians get is called a believer. Are you a believer this morning? Let's just say that again. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. It can be so hard to believe at times. Salvation is not because of anything that we've done, but because of all that Jesus has done. Like Paul said, they don't understand God, uh, his way of making them right with himself. See, God's way of making us right with himself is simply this. And he says it in verse 4 of chapter 10 of Romans. He says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. It's about believing what Jesus has done, church. You might be asking yourself this morning, where on earth are you going with this message? What journey have you got me going on this morning? I mean, it's, it's really good. I'm loving it. I might get the, the CD when I, when I leave, but where are you taking me with this message this morning? Well, I started with talking about wanting an encounter with God. And I wanted, I believe that many of us here want that, that same thing as well. See, one of the greatest miracles that we could be a part of in our lives is to help other people to receive God's free gift of salvation. There is something wonderful about the privilege and the honor of seeing someone give their hearts to Christ. I want every single one of us to experience that over and over and over, where parents lead their children to Jesus and see them accept him, where, where we go and, and we, our best friend, we're going out for a cup of coffee with them at Saison's, unashamed, sort of like plug for Saison's right there, just great coffee. But, you know, just you, you're sitting down with them and, and over a cup of coffee and uh, you just have this conversation and, and it just transpires that they receive Christ right there in the middle of a shopping center. I don't believe there's any greater honor, greater privilege than seeing someone's, the light come on and Jesus is home. See, Romans chapter 10 verses 14 to 15 says this. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells him? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's why it says that the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. See, Paul asks and poses four questions. Four questions this morning. How can people be saved unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they haven't heard about him? How can they hear unless someone tells them about him? And how will they tell them about him unless they're sent? I want to spend just a couple of minutes just talking about these, these four questions. Number one, how can people be saved unless they believe in him? How do we help someone else believe in God is the question. How do I help someone else believe in Jesus? See, the apostle Philip, the disciple Philip who's walking with Jesus, he struggled with the same idea. So he, he says to, to, to Jesus, because he wants to know the reality of God. He wants to know that, that God is real. He wants to know what he's really like. <clears throat> he says in John 14, verses 8 to 13, he says this, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Philip, mate, buddy, pal, have <laughs> I been with you for so long, all this time, and you still don't know who I am? 
How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who's looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in my Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracle, uh, miracles of power through me. You see, this is, this is where I, I feel that, that God wants us to go in this next season as a church. It's time for us to believe in the miraculous things of God once more. I believe we need to believe for miracles more and more. I believe that one of the great signposts to Jesus is seeing the miraculous. I believe that as we start to see the miraculous happen, that people will start to say, how did that happen? What, what, what went on? Actually, it was God that did that. I'm not saying that every one of those people will suddenly turn and run screaming down the street, I found Jesus, I found Jesus, I found Jesus. But I believe that it'll start a real search in their heart where they start to find out for themselves who Jesus is. In verse 11, it goes on. Jesus continues. He says, believe uh, I live as one with my father and my father uh, lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I've done. See, some people won't listen to our words, but they will take notice of a miracle. They will take notice of a, 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 an act of un, unusual kindness. They will take notice of a meal being taken round when they're sick. They will be ta- you know, take notice of those things where someone just blesses them for some reason just out of the blue. Where they're struggling financially and they suddenly find 400 bucks in their, in their, in their letterbox. All of a sudden it creates within them a search that maybe God is real. It goes on in verse 12. I tell you this timeless truth. This timeless, this timeless truth. So it was true in Jesus' day then, so it's true now because God, Jesus, has said it's a timeless truth. He said, the person who follows me in faith. Do I have any people who are following Jesus in faith here this morning? So he's promising to, promising to you what I'm about to say. This is a promise that you can pray and say, God, make this a reality in my world. He says this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. And even greater miracles. Because I go to be with the Father. Now there's a challenge. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Man, greater than Jesus. We see it recorded where Peter, you know, like in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, people used to put out sick and the lame in the street so that the very shadow of Peter would walk, you know, go, go past and touch them. And, and Peter's shadow would heal those people. Jesus never did that, that I know of, that I, I can see recorded. <laughs> Come on, sunshine. I got some people to walk around. Oh, sorry. I, I, I read this only um, yesterday. It might have been Friday. I can't remember. But it was a, uh, a devotional that I get every day. It comes through from Joseph Prince. And he was talking about 
uh, a miracle of protection over this person in his church. This person came to, to, to Pastor Joseph Prince and said this story to him, a true story. He said he was flying his plane and uh, he was coming in to, to, to try and, and land in this particular area and uh, he got onto the radio and said, look, I need some, uh, some help to, to land my plane. There's a bit of a fog uh, and this, the, the air traffic controller said, look, you can't land here. There's, there's no, no way that we can actually guide you in. There's nothing we can do. And this, this uh, guy is uh, flying his plane says that uh, you know, he's, he's just flying, starting to fly into this fog area and he's entered the fog and all of a sudden he hears in his, in his headset, pull up, pull up, pull up. So he pulls up and he just missed hitting an expressway like uh, on, the, on the ground. And, he, and he suddenly he, in, in his earphones, he hears this, this person saying, look, if you just follow my directions, I'll help you to land safely and you won't be hurt. So this, you know, just following the instructions that's coming through his headset, he's following these, do this, do that, and he lands his plane safely. He actually comes up to the, the air traffic controller. He wanted to thank them for guiding them in, him into the thing. They said, when you hit the fog, we lost all contact with you. I want the miraculous. And my Bible tells me that Jesus has promised to me. The person who follows me in faith. Believing in me. Will do the same mighty. I've got to tell you there are people who have cancer. They need a miracle. There are people whose marriages are busting up. They need a miracle. There are people who are in dire financial need. They need a miracle. There are things happening in and around our world where people need a miracle. We, we, Let's believe God. Lord, this is your, your promise. All we need to do is to be available and to, to be ready to, to, to respond in an instant. I said to the, to the guys this morning at our VIP huddle, I said, no, no, this morning during the service at any time where you just hear the slightest whisper from God, where you have the slightest inclination to do something that, that you feel is God, step out and do it. Just do it. doesn't matter what, what it is. Just do it. What would happen if we responded to the Spirit of God in that way, in that fashion? How many more miracles would we see? But we think we've got to earn it. Oh, I, I sinned this week. God won't use me. What? You think God's going to stop a, him touching someone's life with goodness because you did something wrong during the week? Come on. Come on. We won't perform these miracles because we've earned the right to perform them because we think we've been good. We'll perform them because we believe Jesus can do them and do them through us. See, what sin does, it separates us from our confidence that God's going to do something for us. Keep a short account. Lord, I just blew it. I, I had to do this yesterday. We were talking about my dad and... And I said something stupid about my dad. And I, I, I didn't tell Jane this, but I, I thought, 
it was about 10, 15 seconds after I said, I thought, Lord, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean that. Keep short accounts. 10, 15 seconds of, of absolute guilt because <laughs> I'd said it and I felt totally bad for saying it. I didn't swear at him. I just said something stupid. That's how easy it is. I said, I said what I thought was real. Let's just keep short accounts. That way we're all, all, all ready. We've got our confidence up. God is good. He's in a good mood with me. He's not waiting to punish you. Punishment's already been taken out in the person of Jesus. God wants the best for us. Jeremiah says, you know, that he, he's got great plans for us, good plans, plans to see us prosper and, and stuff. Verse 13 of this, I'm just way off track, but that's cool. Verse 13 says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. That is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. I believe that the, the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. Jesus is it's His heart to glorify the Father. you just got this thing happening where that's what's going to happen. Let's fan into flame the gift that God's given to us. Let's stir up the gifts again. Let's start to believe the Holy Spirit and start to lay hands on the sick. Let's start to, to reach out in faith and, and, and expectancy and hope to know that God is going to do some stuff. You know, quite often we don't do that anymore because, oh, I prayed once and it didn't happen. I prayed for someone and, in fact, I caught their cold. <laughs> Let's rekindle it. The second question was, how can they believe in if they're not heard about him? Someone has to say something about Jesus. Uh, they don't need to know about me. They need to know about Jesus. My story might come into it about how Jesus has touched my life, but they don't need to hear about me. We need to lose this thing about talking about us all the time. We need to lose a consciousness of self and become God-conscious rather than self-conscious. Okay? John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the Holy Spirit as my representative, he'll teach you everything and remind you of everything that I've told you. John 16, verses 13 to 14, when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about me in the future. He will bring my glory, me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. See, faith, belief will begin to grow in a person's heart as they hear about Jesus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. See, in, in Isaiah 55, I think it is, it's, God says that my word will never return to me void. Okay? When we start to speak about the word of God, okay, God attaches his Holy Spirit to that word and it always accomplishes the exact purpose for which it was sent. That's the same thing. When we start to talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, I can be a part of that. Oh, I'm going to anoint that. I'm going to touch that. I'm going to, I'm going to breathe life onto that. That's what happens when we start to talk about Jesus. That's why, you know, sometimes if you ever felt like, you know, you start to talk about Jesus, you know, you, you have this thing, I just know this. It's, it's like a, a witness, you know, you just have this witness. I don't know how I know. I just know that I know that that's right. And that's what happens in the, in the, the, the people that we're talking to. What you're saying, it just rings true in my heart. It rings true. I, I feel this in my spirit. I feel this in my, my they won't say that oh, I feel this in my spirit. I feel, I just, what you're telling me is right. It sounds like what you telling him is true. I just Christianized it. Okay? okay. So the third question is, how can they hear about it unless someone tells them? 
And I've said this before. Have, have you ever wondered why when we got saved, we just didn't go up to heaven? Surely if God's greatest desire is that we accept the finished work of Jesus on the cross for our salvation, then we re- when we receive Jesus as our Lord, we just go to heaven. I mean, it's not right. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, out of the Passion Translation, it says, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill. Everyone say fulfill. Fulfill. Anyone heard? That's a good word, isn't it? I love that word, fulfill. It's almost like we did a four-cup series talking about fulfillment, but I don't know about that. So fulfill the destiny is given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Sounds familiar. Fulfill. Life of fulfillment. Maybe I didn't go to heaven because God wants me to live a fulfilled life. What is a fulfilled life? Living a life of fulfillment is not about having all my needs met and sitting in a nice mansion with an Aston Martin in the driveway. It'd be nice, but it's not a life of fulfillment. The eternal future of people is something that matters. Living a life of fulfillment is about doing something that matters for people that matter with people that matter. See, Paul goes on to say in question four, how would they tell them unless someone sent them? Another way of saying is, this is this. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who will help people believe? Who will help people to hear about Jesus or speak up about Jesus? Who will take the Great Commission to heart? Mark 16, verse 15, the Passion Translation says, Jesus said this to them, as you go into, everyone say that, as you go into the world. As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And it goes on to say, you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You'll step on snakes and strangle the suckers. God is not separate from the things that are happening in our lives, but he is central to them. That's why I started this morning's service, God is central. Is God central in your life? Because we as a church are God-centered. We are a God-centered church. So we don't set God aside as we go about our lives. We don't say, okay, I'm just about to go to work. God, your time's over. Put my work coats on and I go out the door. It's not how it works. We go to the movies. Oh, God, you wouldn't like this movie. I'll leave you there. I'll go to the movie. God's going to go with us wherever we go. He's made his home in our hearts. Wherever I go, God goes too. Some of the movies you need to say, God, just hide your eyes. You don't need to see this, Lord. Then why are you there? Sorry, that's another message. Sorry. <laughs> I'm messing with you. You guys are going, really? Okay. As you go into the world, as you go into school, as you go into the university, You're actually going as a representative of Jesus. You're going representing him. You're going to to reveal Jesus into those those arenas in in the world. God himself, Jesus said himself, I'm going to give you power to do this. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, I'm going to to actually help you to to speak up about me. I'm going to give you the power to do this. So as we go into the shops, as we go for our run, we need to be open to whatever it is that God is saying to us. We need to be you know, like uh, allowing God to, to interrupt our world 
and to respond to him in those instances. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6. Again, the Passion Translation. You might get a, a picture that I, I pretty like, the, the Passion Translation. It's a cracker of a translation. Love it. If you can get it on Kindle or Amazon or, or go to Kurong, I'm sure they've got it. They get 25% off. I don't get any kickbacks for that, but I should. I told you I haven't preached for four weeks. I've got a lot of words. <laughs> you all right? <laughs> Who's having fun? I'm having fun. You all right? Cool. I might get saved myself. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6 says this. Walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. <laughs> Is that a good word or what? Make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched in grace and tempered with truth and clarity. In other words, have a, have a picture about what you want to say. Don't just, you know, like, like me sometimes, run off at the mouth. But have a, an idea about what you want to share. Ha, practice beforehand your elevator, uh, elevator salvation story. In other words, in the time it takes for go to the ground floor to the 15th floor, you could tell someone how much Jesus has made a difference in your life. Do not give them the hour and a half version. Okay? Like, love you, wouldn't want to be here, but that's cool. Okay? Just give them the short version. All right? The Passover. There, there, were, there was blood put on the doorposts. The Egyptians are asking them, what are you doing that for? Well, Jesus is coming tonight and he's actually going to uh, kill every firstborn child where the house doesn't have the blood on the doorposts. I wonder, I wonder if Egyptians went away and put blood on their doorposts and as a result their families were saved. I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. Some people may see us doing something publicly. When we go to Macca's, KFC, we sit down and we say, Lord, bless this food we're about to receive. Lord, do something with it. Lord, bless it to our bodies in some way, shape or form. But Lord, would you do something with this food? Bless this food to our bodies. Just, just suppose someone sees you doing that publicly and they say, why are you doing that? You've got an opportunity to share about Jesus. And as a result, they might just say, you know what? There might be something in this. Now, I'm simplifying it, sure. But you get the picture. And as a result, how do we know that we can't see someone and their families saved? Because we made a public declaration. But it started because Paul, in chapter 10, verse 1 of this passage, we started out with right at the very beginning. He had a longing and a prayer in his heart to see the people that meant the most to him saved. Do we? Do we? And if we do, what are we going to do about it? Let's stand.